Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, part two of the AFC South. Very, very difficult handicap, this division, I have to say. Uh, Got some very interesting feedback on our Colts takes. Uh, have you matured your thoughts or your feelings about uh, the Indianapolis Colts as we head into the season? Were we too hard on them? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, our friend Zuma, our sexy German, he was higher on the Colts than us. And I, I did come around on some of the things he was saying. Like, I agreed with him. And, and I think, you know, we were hard on him as far as it, it's still the AFC and you have some pretty tough contenders at the top. And he made some good points about, you know, Philip Rivers, and it is a great situation for them. And I guess I ended up on, yes, I can see Indianapolis blowing past their win total and then not ever entering my mind as somebody who could make a run in the playoffs against mm-hmm. some top teams on the road. You know, I, I guess I, I'm stuck in that, you know, a tweener ground where it's like, yeah, this is going to be like a, a kind of a, a bad, I don't know how to say it, like a bad 11-win team. Not not bad, but comparatively bad when when they end up in the playoffs. Yeah, like uh, the uh, could be like last year's uh, Packers, thirteen three, and uh, you know, total frauds. Yeah, because it is a it is a great situation with that offensive line for Rivers. Uh, you know, he's had better weapons and it's at certain points in his career, but uh, he's still a good quarterback. He's uh, he's had some good numbers. I, I don't. Uh, I'd have to scroll way back. We talked a lot about him with Suma today. He had a yeah. he had a bunch of he. Had, I mean, he had some he had some good points about just uh, Rivers' measurables over the past few years. We're still kind of down on the just the amount of interceptions he threw. Yeah. Just the yeah middle all arm the all the quarter yeah all the yeah all the quarterbacks in this. Uh, division or there's there's a you know there's fatal flaws and not all of them are the quarterback's fault as that's we'll get true. to right now that's true um okay let's uh well let's get to it uh i guess uh you don't have any do you do you, you uh do you have anything you want to uh promote that you have out there for uh pga tour or pga championship or should we just get right into the football uh, i mean it's in my spreadsheet baby okay yeah, I, but, put, uh, I, put a bu- I put a bunch of head-to-heads after we're recording this on Wednesday night. It's a late start for the tournament because it's West Coast. So I'll get something out yet tonight. I'll probably remind people in the morning if anybody wants to see what I bet. But I, I will be betting some day one matchups. Probably mm-hmm. no outrights. I'm just going to tail people that are smarter than me on outrights and see if that comes through because I'm just slowly pissing away the money I'm winning on matchups with outrights. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, so it's it's not my forte. So I'm going to stick to matchups, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. First major, and it's a beautiful course, really good field, and hopefully we have some good golf for the next four days. Mm. Overall, though, sports is going solid for you, right? Beyond just golf, like NHL, you've enjoyed the NHL restart. You're enjoying the uh, the NBA bubble so far. Oh yeah, the NBA, like they they popped right back into shape. They, we were a little worried about some rustiness, but we've had some pretty good ball. Uh, we're going to run into some games that are going to suck. 
because there's some teams that don't have, yeah, there's some teams that won't have much to play for, but when you have teams that suck or games that suck like that because of weird situations, there can be some pretty strong handicapping angles. So if you're, if you're staying, staying sharp and staying on top of the news, I think you can find some pretty good value in some of the NBA markets as we move through this eight game uh, season and into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, strong and, agree. And okay. there, there's some really good uh, NHL content out there. Content, yeah. So that the NBA right is now. totally consuming me, man. I am absolutely. I'm so so far into this at this point. I absolutely love it. Um, it has been as fun as I had ever would have hoped, uh, and uh, really appreciate that they've done this uh, for the fans because it is really servicing fans fairly well. I think um, so. Enjoying and- it. Like no tests, uh, no positive tests for the NHL. No. The NBA has been clean here, so that's really like that. That's been some of the best news. If only we could take a lesson from this and apply it to the NFL, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I like that quote. Did you see the quote that? Uh, oh God, he, he's the guy that got. Uh, he works for PFF now. Uh, can't think of his name. Bearded dude, Bears fan, Lee Sharp. Lee. Yeah. Did you did you see what he tweeted today that interview? No. I mean it was basically it was some weird shit honestly as far as like what what came out because <laughs> like whoever oh here it is. Um it was an interview and it it had to, uh, I'm going to look cuz it's in a, the next tweet. It's the NFL chief medical officer Dr. Alan Sims Sills, excuse me. And they said the NBA just created a massive bubble where all the teams, the staff, the press, everyone is together at this resort to protect them. Why not consider that for the NFL? Or maybe you did, but why didn't you do it? And again, this is the chief medical officer of the NFL. This was on NPR. He said, yeah, absolutely. We did consider that. In fact, we considered many different options and scenarios of what we thought the season could look like. And what we ultimately settled on was what we're calling a, quote, virtual football bubble, unquote, which means that, yes, teams are in their own home markets, and, yes, players, coaches, and staff can stay at their own homes. So he's he's saying, yeah, we're, we're doing a virtual bubble, which is just status quo. Like, that's imaginary, not a bubble. That's yeah, not that's anything. An it's, it's, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess this guy maybe has political aspirations because he's just double-talking and bullshitting his way through this, at least the part of the article I saw. So, yeah, that, that's not a bubble. You say, like, oh, we're doing a virtual bubble is what we're calling it, <laughs> which means teams are going to play in their home markets and everybody can go stay at their own homes instead of at resorts. Just the opposite of a bubble is <laughs> wild. And, and granted, it's, you know, it, it, all these sports. I should be laughing. This is ridiculous. Oh, and, and I, it is ridiculous. And, and granted, it's much different. Like these these NBA games, you can mash them pretty close together. Hockey, mm-hmm. obviously, they play back-to-backs all the time. They're putting them really close together. You can't sit there. You could. It, it would be difficult to bubble a team for six months. Yeah, people lose it. it. It'd be like The Shining, where they lose their mind. And you know, we've already had Ray Rice and people stabbing other people outside of football. We don't need it in the bubble. Ray, not Ray Rice, Ray Lewis. Well, I guess Ray, Ray Rice beat the shit out of somebody. NFL is just a generally violent sport. You don't need these people losing their mind in a bubble. So I, I think the only way a bubble would work in the NFL would be a very short season, like six, yeah, six sure. 
eight, six games going into the playoffs or something. I, I don't know how you can do it. You, you you can't say, hey, guess what? You have to play every three days. These people, you know, they die. The, the injuries yeah. racked up and it wouldn't work. So it's tricky, but I think they could have done like pods of, hey, you know, maybe we don't travel as much and we do a lot more contact tracing. It, it, it's really goofy because, you know, like 17 weeks plus the playoffs of the bubble isn't super feasible. But at the same time, I don't think the NFL quite knows what they're doing. Mm. Well, well, we'll let's cross our fingers that it doesn't end up mattering, but uh, I'm extremely nervous. Uh, I'm at it like I'm like at, at probably an eight this week out of 10. Uh, I've been at a 10 at points in the offseason, but I'm closer to a, a 10 now than I was for the last couple of weeks. So, um, anyway, you want to talk a little, uh, little Texans? Yeah. Speaking of a team that uh, may live to regret some decisions that they made this winter <laughs> the houston texans uh made one of the more i guess was this the worst trade of all time taking Not on only, david johnson eh, giving I off know, I guess people let's, people let's, old enough to remember the Herschel Walker trade, maybe not. But yeah, the the oh, t- taking yeah, on taking on David Johnson and then losing your star receiver and just, I mean, it, it, star players get traded. These things happen, but what they got in return wasn't great. And then we, I mean, we touched on this when it happened. Just like what a few days later when. Uh, Stefan Diggs was traded from Minnesota to Balt or Baltimore Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. What what Minnesota got in return for? I mean, I'm going to say I love Stefan Diggs. I'm from Minnesota. I've watched him play numerous times in person, and he's great. I watch the Vikings a lot. He's a stud. He's a star, but he's not as good as he's not as good. He's he's a lesser receiver, and they got a way bigger haul. Like it's. It's rough. It's pretty fucking rough to look. That that just exacerbated things because people were already saying like, "Oh man, they kind of got taken to town," and then that trade goes through, and it just made it look way worse. So yeah, super rough trade, especially from a team that I was. I don't want to say like I was high on what they were doing, but they were doing some of the right things as far as just what what needed to happen to make that make that team tick like the, you know, some of the biggest problems over the past few years have been protecting your star quarterback. And they went and got Laramie Tunsil that worked out. They've, you know, they've put some money into problem spots like that. And then just, just to do that. And then to replace him with like Randall Cobb and bring, I mean, Brandon cooks has had some success, but I mean, they're just not going to replace Deandre Hopkins. Yeah, it, it was a, it was just a weird move, and I guess you know there's behind the scenes stuff. I guess both those trades I just talked about, there was some some strife behind the scenes, but yeah, hated that. Uh, bad GM, bad coach. We've got the same GM and the same head coach, new offensive and defensive coordinators, and I guess we'll see. It's uh, we'll see how this offense comes together with Cooks, Cobbs, and man, Fuller. Fuller's an injury guy. You've got a, a running back who wasn't, you know, wasn't putting up the numbers like he had when he was younger. And granted, it was kind of a 
I don't want to say gimmicky offense out there, but it was quite a bit different than the the offense we were used to seeing David Johnson in when he was a younger man. I don't know, he's not even that old. Still, it's a it was a goofy it was a goofy trade. It kind of it was off putting because I think you and I both we like Sean Watson quite a bit. Yeah, he's a, and that's he's a, that's a, an important element I think. That's what sucks in, about this. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's an he can be so good in the right situation. Right, and it's an important element in considering like the breadth of the mistake of the trade in, in its entirety. Number one, you gave up, uh, you know, a blue chip player uh, in a you know in a at a premium position. Uh, number two, you took on uh, an asset that uh, has an outsized uh, liability in terms of what you're paying him for a replacement level performance in David Johnson. Uh, number three, you didn't get back assets in terms of draft capital that were meaningful um one of the best drafts we've seen in the last five years and you really didn't do a good job of getting back assets still, yeah you, they didn't draft in the first round again right and and on top of all of that you put strife between yourself the gm slash coach and your franchise player in deshaun watson this clearly did not make deshaun watson happy i don't think he could have had i don't think you could have done uh much I don't think you could have done anything else to put more, um, you know, strain on that relationship than this particular move. And through all of this, you may say, well, man, Bill O'Brien, he's underachieved with this team for a couple of years, even though he's gone to the playoffs. Uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, he's made some terrible decisions in games from a strategic and tactic standpoint. Um, and that's that's very true, but he's never really been held accountable. Um, and that's kind of the way it goes when you get to this level of power within an organization and you don't have an ownership group. Uh, in this case, uh, you know, the heirs to the McNair, uh, uh, you know, uh, estate uh, that, you know, have a vision for this team where they are going to hold O'Brien accountable for his stewardship of the franchise. Um, and here we sit now with Deshaun Watson entering his prime, you have uh, every incentive in your uh, arsenal to keep him happy and to, you know, to make his, uh, you know, his outstanding performance among all quarterbacks count for you uh, in terms of your, uh, you know, your chances at a championship. Uh, and you do this move, which is a, an extremely, extremely, um, tough thing to sell in-house let alone the fact that everyone with a pulse who follows football knew it was bad the minute he pulled the trigger on this um so what do you what do we do now how does this manifest now how does this have like a butterfly effect in terms of the rest of the decisions for the off season you brought it up they bring in they give a stupid contract to randall cobb like randall cobb may be a fine contributing player to your team this year but you gave him three years and a ridiculous amount of money uh, you go and you slander DeAndre Hopkins out the door. Uh, I don't know how you expect to, uh, you know, to to come up with, um, you know, uh, terms with your existing young players who you want to re-sign now. If that's the way you're going to treat your, you know, your best asset on your team, not named Deshaun Watson, uh, and you have David Johnson, who is not capable of being a game-breaking player, in my opinion. Um, in a system that's not really built for, you know, a rushing attack to succeed anyway. And you are kind of incentivized to try to make something out of this, right? Like it's now, it's now in your best interest as Bill O'Brien to try to make, try to save something, save space in some way here. 
Um, and you know, if David Johnson is struggling, like, do, like, are you willing to pull the, give him the hook? Are you willing to pull, uh, to put, uh, throw Duke Johnson in there over David Johnson and really, uh, you know, kind of own your mistake, eat, eat some crow. I don't know. I feel like he's backed into a corner at this point. The trade for Brandon Cooks may work out fine. Uh, you want some deep threats to go along with your precision deep passing quarterback. That's great. Um, yeah, but again, that, that's that felt something reactionary. that felt reactionary too. Like it was Watson, literally Watson like, is really good from deep. Like that, the Cooks thing. Like Cook, I'm way more excited. You know, I kind of disparaged it because I, I haven't seen him outside of the system. Well, I guess you know. The system he came from, there were more options, I guess, and he'd have good games and then he'd disappear at times. But, like, yeah, I'm, I'm way more excited about Cooks and, like, the contracts were just backwards. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not excited at all for Randall Cobb on this team. <laughs> no. And to some degree, um, I don't even know how much he's going to be on the field. Right? Why run 11 personnel with this offense? Like give give Watson a little bit more time. Let him pick teams apart, twenty yard plus down the field, right? Like get the I I really it was a head scratching move in so many ways. They didn't upgrade the tight end position. Um, they are counting on meaningful step forwards from a bunch of these offensive linemen who I have questions about. Um, outside of Larry Mutunsel, the unit as a whole is both is bottom ten easily across the NFL. Um, and you have massive liabilities in your defense, notably uh, with your, um, your secondary. And it's, it's going to be very, very tough for them to repeat the 10 win season we saw to them last year to a degree that felt, um, you know, a little bit unearned uh, outside of the fact that Watson is so good uh, that he kept them competitive in games that they otherwise would have had no shot in, like the Chiefs game is a good example. Um, and you know, it's it's it. You're again in the same kind of breath that I feel like the Colts really squandered an opportunity with what they had in terms of you know assets and and a, and a young core, and they're really going to war with Philip Rivers this season. It's the same sort of thing here. You have a quarterback entering his prime into Deshaun Watson, and this is what you're going to war with, really. Um, you're going to put even more pressure on him uh, to to because you know guess what if you're going to beat the Chiefs this year you're going to have to score 52 points, right? 24 lead 24 nothing leads not going to do it for you this year, right? And yeah, it's was, uh... it's it stinks because Deshaun Watson is one of the most likable characters in the NFL and it's not close. He's freaking awesome, 24 year old kid, uh, and you know you're going to have to pay him. I don't know how that's going to go. You probably. Uh, if I'm his, you know, his representation, I'm trying to get him out of here because of the, you know, the way that this has gone uh, under Bill O'Brien, and you know, just as long as he's kind of a power player in Houston, I'm not sure, uh, you know, what this franchise's ceiling is. Um, so it's it's all it was. This was it felt like uh, kind of the such a bad move that it really does um, bring an end to you know what's going on here as far as a uh, as an overall uh, you know era of Houston Texans football. Is that an yeah, overreaction? Be an, nah, I mean, end of air is tough. You never know how, when, when you bring in this many new pieces, especially in an offense, how it'll all turn out. This could turn out a lot better than, you know, you or I are projecting these, you know, the pieces have all succeeded in other places. If the, some of the pieces play well, the offensive line continues to improve. 
Um, Watson, and that's where I worry about the, like the coaching, just Watson under Bill O'Brien. Uh, what, what's the deal with the offensive coordinator? I guess like, is he, is it Bill O'Brien kind of running the show there? Or the, this guy, I don't, uh, Tim Kelly was the tight ends, the tight ends coach for Houston last year. And again, we're, we're going to get to that because we made fun of a coordinator we didn't know a whole lot about, and that <laughs> made it to the, to the conference title game last year. But uh, He was the offensive coordinator time. last year. Yeah, this, He was tight ends coach two years ago. Um, this will be his second year as O'Cord. But it's, it? not like he, it's not like he – yeah, he didn't really bring any wrinkles to the table. He's only 34, super young guy. I didn't especially see anything. Noteworthy about the offense that was different last year that uh, is really worth running home about. I brought up the offensive line, the problems with the offensive line for years. And it's one of those things, too, where it's not like it was some bottom five offensive line every year, but Watson holds on to it for a long time. And that's just, I don't think. I don't think maybe that's something you can change or maybe that you'd want to change. He. He's good holding onto the ball. He he has a you know <laughs> yeah, he has a decent success rate holding onto it and letting those receivers work their way open. But that I mean that's going to cause more sacks. You hold the ball longer. It's it's tougher on the offensive line. So if uh, you know if if everybody can get together and get on the same page, you see some continuity in the line. We play yeah like play some more two tight end personnel. Play you know get like I don't know if you really how I feel about David Johnson blocking a ton, but yeah, get, get two tight ends, get some extra help on the line. Let these, these are all receivers that have been very good in situations in, you know, in other spots and Will Fuller's been pretty good. when he's healthy here, he, yeah, Kenny stills and Kiki Kuti as backups mm-hmm. here. I mean, there's, there's some decent, you got a decent stable. It's not like it, it's really, really going to hurt to lose DeAndre Hopkins, but it is what it is. You got to make do with what you can. They, they know where they're at. If they can make the, some of the parts play well on offense and make this come together. And, you know, Watson's still young. Like you said, he's 24, still figuring things out for the most part. I would, I would think he, you know, where, where does, where do you think uh, the average quarterback peaks? Cause I don't think it's 24. Oh no, definitely not. Uh, Especially I would when say, you've been oh, under yeah. the coaching staff, you have it. It yeah, might take seriously. you longer to peak when you're down here in oh, Houston. Seriously, I, I I would say he is entering his prime on the basis of the fact he is uh, taking on his fourth year as the starter. Um, you know his his peak should be uh, presumably you know twenty eight, twenty nine, uh, maybe later, uh, depending on you know as as he um, you know becomes you know, even more cerebral and more, uh, you know, understands, you know, the game continues to slow down for him. Um, you know, his peak may come even later because it's not, this isn't, he isn't a guy that really relies, uh, super heavily on his mobility, uh, other than to kind of escape pressure and to extend plays. Um, but you know, and, and kind of, that's what makes him a special quarterback is that he's so good at, you know, downfield vision. He's so good at downfield passing accuracy um, that if, you know, if you can either a give him time via blocking or B, he can create, you know, uh, extra time via, uh, scrambling, he is absolutely lethal. He will pick you apart and he will, um, you know, bomb you into oblivion. And it's, uh, it's cool to see it when it's all clicking. It's cool to see it when he's putting up 50 points against the, uh, the hapless Falcons, uh, you know, um, uh, 
secondary. It's cool to see it when he's coming back and, and getting a win against the Patriots and they're incredible secondary, you know, like he's an awesome player. I really like him. Uh, and I'm really frustrated that this is, uh, uh, this is how this is playing out for him there because it's, uh, it's not a great situation. Um, kind of, I guess maybe to soften the tone a little bit on Bill O'Brien, he did make one decent move last year beyond, you know, and, and really the Tunsil move, you gave up a lot of assets, but that's at least that's a blue chip left tackle for the next, you know, to, to pair with Watson for, you know, for as long as he's there. Um, but uh, he made one interesting move in season, uh, bringing in uh, Conley, uh, the cornerback out of um, Oakland. Um, that was kind of Didn't sneaky. they could play Oakland like that week too? That was fun. I think they did. Yeah, I think they yeah. did. Um, and Gary Ann Conley was in, was a high pick for the Raiders a couple of years ago. Uh, never really fit with what they were trying to do there apparently. Uh, and they gave up on him, send him to, um, Houston. Houston had a cluster injury with their cornerbacks. I don't know if you remember this, but they were, they had like all of their cornerbacks, all of their coverage guys got hurt at by like midseason, and so they pulled the trigger. They bring in Conley, and I expected nothing because I, you know, if the Raiders are casting off a cornerback, how good could he possibly be? Um, but he was awesome. <laughs> I don't know about maybe awesome is overstating it, but he was very good. Um, he covered well, and uh, I think it was a pretty, um, pretty shrewd move. Uh, and he's maybe the only bright spot that I see uh, across their secondary as we head into this season. Uh, don't love uh, Roby. They're giving him too much money anyway. Um, they, you know, they ship uh, Clowney a couple of years ago. Don't get a ton of assets in return, and so now you have kind of a one-dimensional front seven where you're relying on JJ Watt to do everything. Um, JJ Watt is a question mark to play 16 games this season, uh, even if they, you know, even if Especially everything if goes right. <laughs> so it's uh, it's likely a defense that's going to be scored on. There's going to be pressure on this uh, Houston offense to do, to do it all uh, when they go up against any of the top tier teams in the league, which brings us to the biggest problem of all, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is they're I playing mean, we, all of those teams. And they're playing them all early. All of them. We, and we did mention this in like the schedule one, but yeah, this is, and if, if anybody does remember the conspiracy theory that actually is holding water than any other conspiracy theory you've ever spit or we've ever talked about the fact that, you know, every, every team plays one home and away each week one and week two and week three and week four. And there's no division games in week, what, three and four. The fact that these week one, two, three, and four are movable or ejectable. That that might be a good thing for this Houston, oh, yeah. Houston oh, team. Yeah. Because if the fourth the first year, oh God, that is a great if point. they got rid of week one and week two and then moved <sighs> week three and four back by the or, or however it goes, that would be yeah. that would be electric for this team because it goes at Kansas City to Baltimore, who's getting extra rest off their opening game the the in uh, Thursday night. At Pittsburgh with a skinny Big Ben Roethlisberger, best shape, <laughs> best shape, best shape of his life. Best added shape of his life, yeah. Lean muscle, you know, like everyone. And then another playoff team from last year in Minnesota that before they get to take out their aggression on Jacksonville on a back to back. But it, yeah. it, it is as rough of a four game stretch to start a season with as as I've seen in a while. And 
So if you if you're gonna bet on Houston, don't do it yet. Yes. Like if you're gonna bet That's on them, exactly you're, correct. You're gonna get a better number, and I get you know I can't say that for sure. There's there's a non-zero chance they go four and zero through there, and you know it, I'm willing to take that chance if I'm betting on Houston. <laughs> I'm i if 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 they go four and zero and I miss the number, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm in the one multiverse where. Bill O'Brien turns out to be a genius at the end of the year. So fuck it. I'm not betting on Houston now. There's there's just no chance because any number you want to bet, I mean, I guess win total, those aren't going to be live throughout the season. But division, to make the playoffs, to win the conference, to win the Super Bowl, anything along those lines, those can wait because yeah. those numbers are going to get better when they invariably go like, one and three through that stretch. Yeah. Is Kansas City the best team in the AFC? I don't see how they got worse. How about that Baltimore? Second best team in the AFC? I would say so. <laughs> Pittsburgh, third best team in the AFC? Entirely it, possible. It, it remains to be seen, but if Big Ben plays <laughs> at 2018 levels, they're a high-end yeah. playoff team. Like It's bang, a bang, really bang. shitty way to start. I, yeah, two, yeah, two road games and then Baltimore with extra rest. And if you're going to give any coach extra rest, extra time to scheme, I guess Andy Reid and Jim Harbaugh aren't the two I want. Or John John Harbaugh. Or, did I mix that up? Am I am I, I wasn't right now? It's John Har John Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. My God, Jim I Harbaugh make... is Jim Michigan. John Harbaugh <laughs> yeah, is John Harbaugh. Harbaugh. I, I definitely said Jim Harbaugh at first, and that stopped me. But uh, th those are two really smart coaches. So you're going to get Andy Reid with extra time to scheme into the season. Yeah. And John Harbaugh with 10 days to do it against you there. And then you get two lesser coaches in Zimmer and uh, – um, Tomlin and Zimmer. Yeah. But Tom, it still Tomlin doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't, it's, it's still, still it's, very, it's very difficult. And they're bad matchups for you. They're, those are not great matchups. I guess Minnesota is a, is a decent matchup for you. Um, yeah, they're they're a downgrade in their passing game, losing days. Yeah, and if you're going to play Minnesota, you want to play them early in the season, I guess. Uh, so that's maybe fine. Maybe that's the buy low spot then between week three and week four. Like they're at home to Minnesota as dogs. Like is that possible? Right now, the look ahead line has Texans at one. What? What? No, is that right? Texans are only minus one right now um, at home for uh, for week four against the Vikings. So there's a chance at zero and three if those are three tough losses for them. They're if they if, they, if they're ugly at all, uh, you could see uh, Texans as a uh, as a short dog at home against the Vikings week four. Maybe that's that's the time you start to buy Ooh, in on them. That, that's a, that's probably a bad idea. <clears throat> Give oh me, yeah, give me Texans like, like plus plus one fifteen on the money line or something. Yeah, it's plus like two and a half, dog. plus three. Yeah, yeah, I can entirely see that. Um, so that's an interesting buy low spot them for there there for them because they you know that things things do start to get a little bit better. Um, they don't play a ton of the world's best quarterbacks this season, which is what I would be most worried about um, in terms of exposing my defense. Right again, again after that first three game run, um, there's yeah, really you get Minshew twice. Yeah, you get Minshew twice. You get Rivers twice. You get Tannehill twice. You get, um, you know, I guess we'll find out what who Chicago's quarterback even is then. Uh, Burrow at the end of the season. So you know, there, there's there's some chances in 
the middle to end stretch here where you're going to be able to at least let your guy uh, get you the win uh, because your defense isn't going to be giving up 50. Um, and that's kind of how the entire season breaks down for them. Um, they're not a very popular team in the betting markets. Um, they are all the way out to plus 300 uh, to win the AFC South, which is the longest price I can remember over the last several years. Uh, and it is the, uh, they're two time defending champions of the AFC South. Isn't that right? I believe they are. Yeah. What a, what a weird run to, to what was that two years ago where they just rattled off everything at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Hosted, uh, hosted the Colts in the playoffs and got beat, uh, and then turned around last year. They did it again. Uh, and, uh, hosted the bills and were getting their brains beaten in, uh, before, uh, Josh Allen happened all over himself. Uh, and the Texans sneak their way into the second round of the playoffs where they looked real frisky for a quarter against the chiefs. Um, you want to guess what the live total is in the Raptors game right now? Is it in the one eighties? <laughs> it's getting it's getting close. This is game it really? is not turn- Yeah, it's one ninety five. Wow! This game wow, is not wow, turning wow. out how I how I pictured it. You bet um, the under though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'm I'm just waiting to see where I buy back for, <laughs> for my Dude, thirty fucking half-time. point middle. Wait, wait yeah, till halftime. Half yeah, yeah. The the if the heat game is any indication, they they take a little bit of their foot off the gas defensively in the second half of these games. Um, <laughs> wow, dude! Wow, uh, they must okay. have made a three there. Jumped up. Anyway, back to football. I've just um, I, I've I've been loving watching the live markets. I've missed sports so much. Yes, same. Um, okay, so. Um, Houston Texans, not a popular betting, betting team in the, uh, AFC South market. Um, they opened their win total at eight and a half. It has been bet down quite a lot, uh, under eight and a half, which was at one point minus minus one ten, is now minus minus one fifty six. Uh, if you feel so inclined that, uh, either Deshaun Watson injury is in the cards or that the Houston team completely falls apart. You can bet them all the way down to under five and a half now uh, for plus 380. That's one of the juiciest alt prices on the board. Um, is there a case that Houston comes in under five wins, in your opinion? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there, there's a bunch of, I don't want to say like coin, you know, we talk about coin flip games. I want to talk coin flip teams. You know, we're going to get to Tennessee, and I think there's two very different trains of thoughts on where that team heads this year, but if they're playing with the, the kind of moxie, I'm going to, I haven't said moxie in 10 years. That's that. I don't know where that <laughs> came from. If they're playing like they played last year. That's rough. New England with cam. That could be a tougher game than we think. If you know, you, you, you end up playing at Cleveland. If Baker's figuring things out, if Stafford's healthy, you're playing at Detroit. If uh, rivers works out as well as our friend Zuma thinks it's going to be, those are a couple tough games. You know, if Minnesota and Green Bay play like playoff teams like they were last year, all of a sudden you have what three easy games? Yeah, you have Cincinnati and two at Jacksonville, and and maybe maybe you know, you maybe the Lions. Sh- sh- 
Well, Chicago is. I'm. I'm actually. Yeah, I'm, Chicago. Yes. I don't think, excuse me. Chicago. Chica- yes. Yes. I mean, the the Lions could be, you know, a paper tiger. No, 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 no. But matchup wise, Chicago. Matchup-wise, Chicago yeah. is December. It's December at Soldier Field. Like that's not an easy game, even if the team kind of sucks, especially that's for a, great point. a Southern half-ass dome team, whatever you want to call. Yeah. But this you three and a half. Fucking, you got three and a half easy games. Schedule sucks. Like, yeah, this <laughs> this is a high high range team. Like, if the offense comes together with the new offensive weapons playoff team if not if if a few things shake against you and these other teams and you know they they're achieving their the higher end of their ranges this is like a three-win team like things could go tits up in a hurry this could go full enron that's a houston joke <laughs> so yeah i i am not opposed to where's all, all the money bill team. where's all the money yeah, where's all the money that's <laughs> yeah but if things shake out poorly uh turns out randall cobb isn't worth the money you're not getting the time for the deep ball you know to your other receivers it, it could get it could get ugly this could get this could be a real ugly season where you might and you might lose your GM and your coach. <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where ownership stands on doing that. Like you got to think if it goes very poorly, that's that's where it ends up at. And it's yeah, just, I think so. Sometimes too. that's how it shakes out. Sometimes your schedule just sucks. Sometimes yeah. you play a bunch of teams that uh, overachiever. You know, every team has a range. If if even half or three quarters of those teams that we're not hundred percent sure on end up on the high end of their range. It's like a five-win team, maybe worse. Yeah, yeah, that's completely reasonable. Completely, completely reasonable. And I would be a big-range team. I'm if you're going to give me one bet between Houston regular season wins under five and a half, or Houston to win the South, and you're giving me roughly the same price, I'm much more inclined to take this under five and a half. Plus three eighty is kind of staring at me. Yeah, not I love a, Watson though. Look. Watson has kind of got that. He's got that same sort of um, charisma let's, and let's I'm gonna will. Cook. He's got that same sort of uh, will to win that uh, Russ Wilson has in a way that. I'm gonna stop you because I think you just used charisma and Russell Wilson in the same sentence on <laughs> the point. day where we saw the Mister. Did you watch? Did you watch <laughs> the video today? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh I did. my God! That, what was your? Was, a cr- what was your take on that? That was the cringiest cringy. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, and cre- Russell Wilson's done a lot of cringy things, and that was it. Yeah, that was the peak. Yeah, that peak was cringe. Peak cringe. Mr. Unlimited. He's Unlimited. got the – but no, Deshaun Watson kind of has – he's such an no, I mean, it's a good. It's a good comp that, for sure, yeah. You know, it's like the rest of the team around him you don't feel great about. You don't love the coach, but – you know he's in a he's in a division with some without really a a, a juggernaut. Um, who's to say they can't win ten games and go back to the playoffs? It's 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 a he's that he's that good of a quarterback that he could swing you that much. But at the same time, you know it's it's a if you know week you know week three rolls around and uh, he takes a shot from T.J. Watt and his ankles hurting him and A.J. McCarron takes the field like you know this is now you're talking. You could be talking number one pick with the schedule on this team. Yeah, the, the more I the more I poked around, the more I'm kind of sold on like Indy wins the division by attrition. <laughs> well, hang on, because I got some serious thoughts about Tennessee coming up. 
Okay, I'll let I need you, you to throw some cold water on my Tennessee. Game, I, I, Tennessee I think game. I I was a lot hotter on Tennessee before I did some research today. I'm, oh, okay. Well, I'm, I need I'm, to hear I'm, your. Takes I might on. be fully fucking checked out on this team. Oh wow. Okay, interesting. Just based on um, just based on regression. I mean, there's some things that are just you know you you always make the joke. You used to make this joke more, and I, I miss it because you, <laughs> okay. you used to tweet. I don't know. Maybe you're tweeting. Maybe your tweeting sucks now. Maybe you're just not. As I don't good tweet as very much because the more you, you tweet, need to, the stupider you, you look. I don't know. You need to tweet more during. You're, you are loving this NBA. You are. I'm in. I don't know how many different DM groups with you, and you are just <laughs> peppering them with NBA constantly. And you need yes. to tweet some of the. It's 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 like when I make a really good joke in a DM group, and I'm I'm pissed because I uh, I'm like God, I just wasted this on you just guys. Wasted it. God damn, just, I can't. I'm gonna look like a, a clown. Look like I'm trying out my material in the DMs. Yeah, like I'm, I'm workshopping it with yeah, you guys. But no, yeah. you, you used to. <laughs> this used to be like a staple of you when, when like uh, the team you bet against went like, or even just a team in a game you didn't have action on went like, you know, six of nine from three point when they're you know like a a thirty six percent team usually but totally sustainable <laughs> so yeah they can yes <laughs> oh yeah this is totally, totally sustainable totally sustainable yep absolutely it never was <laughs> it never was <laughs> it never was um okay all right well that's good to know um i guess final thoughts i yeah, have bring really that back. texans um i will also bring in that back yeah like oh, totally this is this, this looks sustainable um <laughs> the uh, the Texans, uh, as far as the DNA for betting on them, uh, absolutely a team that I'm willing to take some swings on and with a deficit, right? If they're down in games, if they're down and out, like they can hit a home run. Um, they can run up a score. They're a team that I'm going to back a lot on the, a lot of overs. Uh, they're a team that I'm going to be, uh, you know, pretty inclined to, um, you know, to be betting on uh, with the comeback on the line. Uh, similarly, this is a team that I don't think is going to be able to put away leads very effectively. Uh, I don't love the ability for them to run out the clock with the, with David Johnson. Um, I don't love their ability to stop the pass uh, enough to think that they're going to be able to play lockdown defense and rush the passer uh, with the lead effectively because you can put two, three hats on J.J. Watt and I don't know what you're going to get out of, you know, rookie D tackles and, you know, merciless is way. And we didn't really talk about point, the draft so. um, at all for them, just because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were a team that didn't have a, a ton of draft capital. And, you know, like you said, the, the, the tonsil trade was good. Like sometimes a team can have low draft capital and it's because they made a good trade, but it seems like they've made, they've, they just never have draft capital anymore. And yeah, like their, their first pick was 40th overall. They took a, a D tackle out of the big 12. Yeah. And you or, know why I their think... draft isn't worth talking much about? Cause it was a disaster. Cause they only had five picks yeah. and there weren't any, and there was no capital there for them. Like that's why it was a disaster. Such a talented draft. You have holes all over your roster and you didn't get, uh, you didn't do it. You know, you didn't, you didn't have the picks in your arsenal to deal with it because you traded them all away. Um, it does so. suck with like the, the amount of good offensive linemen in the first, in the oh, first, spe- oh yeah. In the, you know, in the top, uh, I mean the top 10, the top 20, and you just, you didn't have a first round pick to go after some of them to continue to shore that up. Mm-hmm. And this is after you took a first round offensive lineman last year who turned out, 
you know, you got scooped on a decent guy by the Eagles. You pick somebody no one's ever heard of. He turns out not to be good enough at camp to keep your quarterback alive. So you give up another King's ransom to bring in Tunsil. Like it's, it's like, it's just a pattern of like mistakes to, to be, you know, mistakes, uh, be getting more mistakes here as the, you know, as the stewardship of this franchise. And it's, a, it's, it just sucks. Uh, cause you know, Watson, uh, I would love to see him as a, you know, a young player with a, a fully, uh, you know, competitive team around him. And I would love to see him take on the likes of Lamar Jackson and, uh, Pat Mahomes with, uh, you know, better than a skeleton crew, you know, like that'd be freaking awesome. It would be great if we had three of the four best quarterbacks in the NFL, all with awesome teams in the AFC. Like that would be fun. Uh, it would be fun to watch these, these first two, it's gonna be fun to watch these first two games anyway. Um, but it would be even better, and that's why it's a shame. Anyway, let's move on. Enough, uh, his, enough. Real quick, what's his contract situation? Is this fourth or fifth year? This is his fourth year, so they're almost certainly going to exercise his fifth year option. Yeah, you have to point, pick that up. I'm just game. trying to think of like where he ends, where he ends up eventually, because it, it does kind of feel like he ends up somewhere else. I'm surprised he didn't give more thought to uh, you know sitting the year out. To be honest, oh, power move. Right. I mean, after what happened, why, why, why not give it some serious thought? I don't hate that. And I hate um, the, all these opt-outs. It sucks. It's so <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. I know it. Um, Speaking of, anyway. did we have any, did we have any serious opt-outs on this team? Uh, I don't think so. No, uh, no one, at least that was moves the needle for me. Yeah, um, there's, there's been 60 players now. So Houston had, yeah, it's getting up there. Eddie Vanderdose and oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, a little defensive depth. It doesn't look like they had anyone else. And then, as long as we're getting to it, I'll look for Tennessee in this list. I'm not seeing any Titans that had opted out so far. So I guess that there's a there's a positive for you. Mm, yeah. yeah. The um, what they can ex- I think they may have already exercised a. Uh, Watson's fifth year option for 17.5 mil. Um, but he'll be an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent in 2022. So interesting little, uh, interesting little situation coming up. Um, let's move down to the fourth and final team in the AFC South. Your most full playoff team from this division last season. They certainly exceeded expectations the most. Um, your Tennessee Titans came pretty damn close to going to the Super Bowl on the back of Tractor Cito. Uh, and, uh, thanks to the gutsy call of pulling the plug on their number one overall pick or there, I guess he wasn't, was James number one overall and Mary was number two. I guess Mary was two. They pulled the plug on their high first round quarterback franchise player through what six yeah. games pulled you the plug should on t- talk about they that because a, that's a, that's a team up. teams don't do that teams are teams don't do this yes they get it anchored takes, they get pot commit they uh sunk costs and they they can't see beyond their sunk own nose cost fallacy exactly exactly right there is typically a sunk cost fallacy going on uh with these um with these teams and these these picks that uh you know obstructs their decision making in a way that they can um, you know, make the right decision. And Tannehill putting him in 
uh, you know, number one, bringing him in, taking a chance on him, uh, you know, evaluating his performance in Miami and, and deciding that Gase may have been the problem, not Tannehill. That was pretty high level thinking from this organization uh, to then bring him in on a very, you know, very reasonable deal uh, to challenge Mariota and then actually pulling the plug was quite, yeah, that was quite uh, an impressive maneuver by um, who someone who is a relatively young and not especially powerful head coach and Mike Vrabel. Vrabel had not made the playoffs with this team prior to last season. And he really hadn't given us much of an indication of what his identity is as a coach going nine and seven in uh, 2018, nine and seven again in 2019. And we kind of just looked past Tennessee in general uh, heading into the playoff cycle thinking that, yeah, well, good for them. They made the playoffs, you know, good for them. Um, they yeah because we'd been there before like the couple years ago they made the playoffs they scored the opening touchdown on the patriots and then got beat like 30 to 7 or whatever it was yeah great point and they had to yeah, Foxborough. It was a happy 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 to be here team they had to foxborough potentially the last ever home game of tom brady's career in foxborough uh and they uh they shocked the world they killed the king they defeated the champion Patriots uh, on the road in the playoffs. And at that point it was like, whoa, okay. Um, they have a little momentum. They have a little, they believe in this team. They, they have, they, they bought in, in the locker room that they are, uh, that they are true uh, contenders. Uh, and they backed up that win on the road at the Pats uh, with a, impressive in every single way you can possibly frame it uh, upset of the Baltimore Ravens. And I've actually, I even forgot this week 17, they beat the tar out of the Texans to even get in 35, 14 on the road at Houston week 17. So they beat the Texans on the road. They beat the Patriots on the road. They beat the Ravens on the road. All of this really, um, you know, leads gained by efficient passing out of Tannehill, leads retained by physical, you know, just domination in the rushing game by Tractor Cito. And defense played quite solid. Uh, everybody did their job. Um, and they have a, just, a, just a generally like, a, you know, talented uh, players at all three levels. Um, but everybody did their job. They went against the Ravens and they had to Kansas City Chiefs. They were seven, eight, ten, eight, eight point dogs in that game. I couldn't remember. Eight point dogs so, against Kansas there. City in the AFC title game. Got them, had them right where they wanted them. Yeah. 17 to seven. Tennessee was up through a quarter and change. Uh, and then at that point, Mahomes went nuclear. Um, Hits Tyree Kill for the 20-yard touchdown pass. Uh, ran a 27-yard touchdown in uh, as time was expiring or close to expiring for the first half, giving them a 21-17 lead. Uh, and at that point, they padded on two more touchdowns, including a 60-yard bomb from Holmes to go up 35-17. And, and the 10-point lead that they had and the, then the promise of a potential – uh, Super Bowl appearance was not to be for this Tennessee Titans squad. Um, and they headed to often an off season with lots of uncertainty. 
because Tannehill was an going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, tra- uh, uh, Derek Henry as well, I believe, was coming up to the end of his well, deal. Did, uh, did you almost call him Travis Henry again? I almost Henry called him Travis. Like, called you him did Travis get a bunch Henry last again. year. Let's well, track the tractor Cedo and the yeah, Derek Henry. Yeah, you start with the TR. Is, I, I got you. It's a brain melt. It's a brain melt. Um, but yeah, it was a huge question. What are you going to do with this team? You got a lot of cool, you. You have a lot uh, of, of very difficult decisions, and I thought they navigated the offseason fairly well. They retained Tannehill. They didn't overspend, I didn't think. Um, and I guess let's start there. Do you agree that the Titans bringing Tannehill back was the right decision? Yeah, but, but it's a lot of money. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know. I so, don't know if I, I don't know if I like the level of commitment. Okay. I, I get it. I mean, I'm fine moving on from Mariota, but man, you saw one season, not even one full season of kind of outlier play. And, you know, Tannehill was, uh, he was a highly touted when he was younger, when he came, first came into the league, I guess. Oh, was he converted wide I mean, receiver? First round I mean, pick. He, yeah, I mean, he was a first-round pick. Like, he was he was touted and highly enough. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like Joe Burrow hype. But, I mean, they, they thought he was going to, you know, the, there was shades of franchise quarterback, hopefully, and it just it didn't work. And now you're – you know, it was kind of a given up. We gave up on this project. We're going to move him. And God, we do, we just made like jokes about it in the last year doing this preview. Like, Oh, is there a, is there a quarterback controversy? Uh, bring in Tannehill. Uh, Mariota better watch his back. And then here we go to the AFC title game. And just, I, I loved, I loved what they did. It was, it was a weird season. It was a weird team. You know, congrats to them. They they got it done. They they had way more success than probably anybody thought they would. But just yeah, everything is so unsustainable. Like just you can't you can't score that much in the red zone again. You can't score that many touchdowns on every fucking possession. Uh, I think kind of gets lost because everybody talks about just how good Derrick Henry was and how good Tannehill was stepping in. And, you know, the, the, I guess the defense had some sketchy spots. They were, they were definitely an over team for a bit there when they, I think mid to late season, they had some defensive secondary injuries and the depth just wasn't quite there. So that could, that could be a problem again, but AJ Brown, like it's, I think maybe that gets kind of understated, what a what a role he played, especially you, you know you you talk about it was such a such a rushing offense or everybody everybody wants to talk so much about what Derrick Henry did and how many tackles he broke, but AJ Brown quietly was really really good. He he was second in the league in route uh, yards per route run behind obviously Michael Thomas who had just eye popping numbers, but. Uh, I think if you want to be successful again this year, I think they need to continue to work on his development and, and 
not be like, hey, we're this is our identity. We're going to run Derrick Henry as much as we did last year, and we're going to get five yards per carry out of him all year long again. Because just we've seen time and time again that doesn't work out. You just these running backs don't have long long careers where they're super highly productive. I I just don't I don't I don't like. I don't like the direction that I think they're going to try to head with this. And I don't know if it's sustainable. Like what they're uh, 26 out of 30 possessions. When, when Tannehill took over there were like a touchdown that in the red zone were touchdowns. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. The, 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 okay. the red yeah. zone, the red zone efficiency, the That's amount sustainable. of sustainable. Yeah. The, the amount of possessions that just ended in touchdowns. I, I want. I can't remember if it was outsiders or sharp. One of the one of them had some stats about like teams that scored that high of an amount of touchdowns in the red zone, like, over seventy percent. It dropped. Those teams averaged fifty percent the next year. Mm. The, I mean, it, the, the drop off is going to be big, and if if the defense doesn't stay healthy, because we saw some depth issues there. And they're not scoring every single goddamn time they go down the field. There, there's more field goals. There's more turnovers. There's more empty possessions. They're just, they're not going to be a, a team that's going to the playoffs. Going like their their Pythag was under eight. Like even going or that's uh, Texans. I want to say, I didn't even get to bring that up. That uh, they both kind of overachieved. Yeah, their Pythag was right where they're at. They were they were a nine win team. It was right around nine and change. Like they, you know, granted you wasted some time with uh, the early season stuff, but I think still they're probably just like a nine or 10 win team. This is not going to be a, a powerhouse. It was just a kind of a weird run. I don't, I don't know if I believe in, in the repeatability of what happened through the late season and into the playoffs. I don't know. And it, maybe you can change my mind. What, what would make you bullish on the Tennessee Titans repeating what they did last year in any sense of the word. Okay. Well, I guess I'll start with Tannehill because that's really where it comes. That's what it boils down to for me. And, you know, I I get what you're saying. They gave him money. Um, His cap hit this year is only 22.5 mil. Okay. That's only good for, that's about, that's about the 10th highest across the NFL. Um, and it's comparable with uh, with what the um, Colts are paying, what the Colts cap hit is for their backup quarterback, Joey Brissett. <laughs> you know, Brissett's cap hit is 21.4 this year. And uh, and they gave um, uh, Philip Rivers 25 million. So the, the, uh, the Colts amazingly have Spend 20, room. 20, they have 46 million dollar cap hit for the quarterback room in Indianapolis this year. It seems high. Um, <laughs> it's quite high. Uh it's higher even than uh, uh it's higher than and than I can ever remember actually. Um the uh but so the money I'm not I, I really didn't think they overpaid. I thought they gave him fair compensation. Um and when I think about Tannehill's performance last year uh and the fact that their late season run when they put him in I feel like was entirely about Tannehill. Uh, people will point to Derek Henry because he was a he was a you know a very memorable player from like a uh, you know a, like just the clips were great and it was fun watching. Well, and that's and how they closed games, and that's how you they closed games. Yeah, come back against a team that can run like that. 
Yeah. And, and you know, granted, they had some lucky, lucky, lucky ass wins. Uh, they shouldn't have beat the Chargers. Chargers fumbled on the goal line uh, in what would have been the, the, the deciding touchdown at the end of regulation against them. Uh, they got a very, very, very sincere fumble luck against the Buccaneers uh, in a game that they only won by four. Um, they pulled off a very impressive victory in the regular season against the chiefs 35, 32 um, against the, again, that was Mahomes, who was just kind of recently back from uh, injury. Um, but then they really started clicking. I felt like down the stretch in a way that uh, I didn't expect. And it was in my opinion, entirely based on the fact that Tannehill's passing uh, was just absolutely outstanding. His uh, completion percentage over expectation uh, among the best in the NFL. And it was not fluky. Uh, he was throwing um, the types of passes that really separate you uh, from the pack as a quarterback, in my opinion, uh, outside of the absolute home run plays that the Mahomes and the, you know, and the, the yeah. Sean Watsons can do. Um, he was on the numbers down the sidelines between about 11 and you know, 25 yards. And if you can complete that pass with regularity, you are a nightmare to deal with from a defensive standpoint. And I thought that they had kind of the perfect offense and the perfect mix to take, uh, to use his, uh, you know, his strength in that regard uh, to gain leads and then hand the ball to Tractor Cito uh, to take care of the rest of business. And I look at, I completely acknowledge that they could regress from the red zone standpoint. That we saw late in the season. Well, not, not only like that, that was it was so 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 good. Too. Yeah, red. Yeah, right. right. They they're gonna. They, I don't think you you would say that they're gonna have all of a sudden the offense is gonna be stuck in the mud this year and they just can't even get in the red zone. Um, but I'm fine acknowledging that the statistics would tell you they're not gonna be as successful in the red zone. But there was there must be something more than luck going on because in previous years with Mariota at quarterback, the Titans chronically underachieved at the goal line. Like they were amazingly bad. They just didn't have the plays. They just didn't have, um, you know, the, the vision, the imagination. And amazingly, Art Smith brought that to the team. Art Smith of FedEx, uh, of FedEx family fame. Um, he, Without question, a big year uh, for FedEx. They forced a name change. They yeah, right. They went to the AFC title game. Yeah, um, the offense was just absolutely perfect in that they used Derrick Henry in ways that forced defenses to overcommit to stopping the run in short yardage situations, which opened up brilliant, uh, you know, short passing opportunities for Tannehill. Tannehill also, by the way. A, damn decent athlete in his own right uh having played wide receiver in college got a lot of you know did did a decent job of gaining first downs on his own uh with some misdirection plays so it was it was not in my opinion all that fluky that they were that good in the red zone um and i wouldn't expect them to be you know in the high 80s or 90s you know over stretches this season again, but well, I mean, even um, very even much, just, very much think they could be in the top five of the league in terms of red zone conversions. Yeah, as a team, they when w- once Tannehill took over, they scored a touchdown on thirty four percent of their offensive drives. The league average is twenty two. Like it just yeah, be, yeah. becoming that. And I mean, it wasn't like 
I don't want to say everything was fluky, but just everything shook out their way. They were tied for league low and drops by receivers. It just anything that anything that you think could happen that stops an offense, uh, you know, from from continuing drives was it just it just didn't go. It didn't shake against them. Like they were, they were killer on first and second down, and and that's how you're successful. That I guess that's the thing that will fight against me is if you're successful on first and second down, you don't deal with third down. Like if you, a high success rate on the first two downs makes it a lot easier for you to end up at a 34 percent touchdown rate. So I don't know if team if teams can adjust to some of the first down, uh, some of the first down play calling, and they're. Did you think that? Are down. you saying that they had a high? Um percentage of first down runs no yes yeah, i'm I saying thought, they had I a, thought they were kind they, of open-minded no, on no that. they were no they had a high high percentage of first down success oh okay 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 I like, you. that's I that's you. how you if, if you don't end up in third downs your receivers don't drop passes you don't take bad penalties just everything everything that stops drives didn't happen to them last year and that's how you end up with a, a super high rate of not only red zone success, but overall offensive touchdown success. Okay. okay. Drives aren't yeah. all the things that can stop a drive. Just nothing happened. And I, feel know, like, I, can't yeah. say, I can't say it was fluky because you do have to be putting together a good game plan, having the players execute and having the, you know, the, the play calling, the scheming, whatever you want to, all the, all the, all the pieces to the puzzle have to come together. But, yeah, I'm just, I see what you're saying. I, I'm just I'm just looking at the roster, looking at the the coaching staff, and I'm just puzzled that I mean it just it just looks like an it looks like a nine win team again. Mm, okay. Okay. Well I'll 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 make my case for why it's better than that. So beyond just the fact that I think Tannehill is going to finish the season um clearly in the top ten among uh QBR. Uh, and clearly in like, I'm expecting him to finish in the top five among, uh, CPOE, uh, which are very, you know, kind of indicative stats of solid quarterback play. Um, and Derek Henry, even having gotten paid and I completely acknowledge paying a running back is like, you know, you, you get a, you, you deserve a brand as far as a you know team builder. If that's what you choose to do, it's a disaster almost every single time. I don't hate it for this because he's relatively young and he is of such he is such a different physical specimen relative to all of the other running backs in the league that if you want to keep him, if you want to keep your locker room, um, you know, because it felt like Vrabel got buy-in from all of these guys to play their best over their playoff run. And, you know, they clearly look at Henry as, you know, a, as a super important piece of their team. The players do. Uh, and kind of, even though I'm willing to get excuse it, if you give him that money to send the signal to your locker room that like, Hey, we, you know, like the opposite of what the D the, um, Hopkins trade was, <laughs> which is if you want money, if you're going to speak up, we're going to ship you out of town. Like this was much more of like, we recognize how important he is to our team. We know how much you guys care about this guy. We're going to retain him. And he does have a unique skill set that I think is very difficult to replace. And just that, you know, he is as physical as he is. And guess what? Like he runs his best late in the season. And guess when the playoffs are late in the season? Like this is not, you know, this is not a reach to expect him to build throughout this year uh, and be similarly effective come, uh, come January. So I don't, I do not hate the Derrick Henry resigning. 
Um, you didn't really lose anyone of consequence outside of maybe Jack Conklin. You brought in a number of relatively decent replacement level, maybe a little better than replacement level depth players to backfill at all kinds of positions on the defense, which I love. Um, I guess I should, they, I said Conklin, I forgot to mention Jarrell Casey uh, leaving that, that actually, that moved the needle a little bit for me. I was like, when that moved, when the Broncos picked up Casey, I was like, Ooh, like that's going to hurt Tennessee. And that's huge for Denver. Um, But they did a decent job of backfilling there. I think Um, they don't have an amazing pass rush. Uh, they, they have outstanding linebacker play, uh, and they have a solid secondary. So they have what I would say is a top half of the league roster, probably top 10, maybe top 10, borderline top 10. I'll say top 12. <laughs> and, uh, and I would expect that um, a lot of teams are going to look past them in the same way that you kind of look at these guys and say nine and seven. Uh, which is, you know, which is in a normal average schedule, you give them the, te- the, the Texan schedule. I might've been making the exact same case that the Titans were going to go, you know, four and 12. Yeah, the schedule's but, not as But tough. the schedule it, it has, is, it's like, it's the schedule's like just one giant coin flip. Like ever, there's a lot of very closely lined games. I think if they can win week one at Denver, which is asking a lot because it's at altitude and it's at early in the season and it's training camp is going to be truncated. Um, if they win that week one game, I freaking love, love, love the first 10 weeks of this setup. There's some challenging games. Sure. But they're getting, again, they're getting many, they're getting Minnesota early in the season. Um, they're home for Jags week two pit week four, Buffalo week five, Houston week six. Yeah, those are all coin flip games, but at least you are the one, you know, that that is uh, not traveling during this crazy time. You are the one that is playing, you know, that's comfortable and at home. And then you have your bye, you have a road game at Cincinnati, and then you get home for Chicago, home for Indy. So basically you're telling me you have one trip to Minnesota and one trip to Cincinnati over a 10-week stretch. Like that is an absolute perfect scenario for you to stay healthy for you to stay, uh, you know, relatively intact as a unit uh, in a very uncertain season where everyone else who's traveling early, I have huge question marks about. So I think of all of the schedules, the fact that through week 10, the Titans get so many weeks at home uh, is going to play an enormous advantage in their, uh, to their start of their season. Um, And I think, those nine games, you could see them seven and two. I think they could absolutely be sort of the surprise team that uh, gets off to a start we didn't expect if they, a couple of the coin flips go their way. Um, I'm counting, you know, I'm counting a lot of those, you know, 60-ish percent wins as likely wins because of the situations, I guess. Um, but this is a, this is a really, really friendly schedule overall because you know even after week 10 it's not like it go they, they go to schedule hell they had a couple back-to-back road games but they don't have to play anyone especially tough um this is a really really favorable schedule it's the best schedule in the uh um in the afc south i think overall um indy clearly has an easy start also 
Um, but again, you know, with some reservations about the quarterback play there, I, I'm more confident that you're going to get a top 10 performance out of Ryan Tannehill than I am that you're going to get a top 10 out of Philip Rivers this year. Yeah, I think Rivers just with the situation could get there, but Tannehill is not starting a new, you know, starting over in a new offense and having to figure things out late in his career. He just had a successful season. I guess I want to say more of my – I'm just – the offense will regress. The offense will not be as good as it will last year. That's that's. I'm not saying that as, like, that's my opinion. Like, just statistically, uh, there's a non-zero chance they're better, I guess. It's, there's there's outliers. You know, things can happen. I, I, I keep I, – I can't say anything. I, I hate saying anything as a, a fact when you're doing forward projecting. I don't – see how the offense doesn't regress it's the same as same as it ever was in the nfl nothing lasts forever people catch up other teams catch up to you they're gonna figure things out i i can see like we talked about with uh, lamar jackson's rushing teams are gonna get wise to that whole scheme and baltimore's gonna have to adjust to that and that's where i liked you know i liked a lot of things about how Vrabel, you know, I think the biggest compliment we can maybe ever give Vrabel in this career outside of what a good, uh, you know, one yard touchdown pass catcher he was, was just moving on from, like we said, moving on from Mariota, not getting stuck in that. This is, you know, this is our guy and we need to do this. And we, we can't just, we can't just move on because we use so much draft capital on him. And granted it's, Maybe it's because he he wasn't the guy who drafted him, I suppose. But that that, that I think that always helps when you bring in fresh people like that. But I I, I, I guess I, I the offense will regress. I'm not gonna if if you want to argue that the offense won't regress, then I think we're at an impasse. I'm more worried about the defense. Like you said, the Jarrell Casey thing is big, and it's weird. I just looked like that was kind of a weird trade. They didn't get much for him at all. I love Adoree Jackson. Uh, look for him. I mean, Adoree Jackson, um, the one safety, can't think of his name. Bayard. Bayard. No, they're Stud- both safeties are good. Vaccaro's good too. Bayard's yeah. great though. Studs in the secondary, I'm not super sold on Butler. They're going to start. Uh, outside of that, the depth is rough. We saw that when there were some injuries. I don't love the, the, the depth on the defense. And then just the pass rush is going to suck. Like that's that's kind of the facts there. The the defense they need to find if they want to have the success they had last year with the offense. The offense will regress. I'm I'm just that's that's my that's my flag in the sand. That's your play. prior. Okay. That's okay. that's my prior. Like the you're the gonna defense, disrespect the, Arthur Smith two years the, in a row. Yes, on this podcast. I, am, <laughs> I just I just uh, the NFL will always catch up to what you're doing when you're successful unless you're. Bill Belichick, you know what's, you know what's Bill Belichick is always catching up to you. Like he's just three steps ahead of you. But the, the defense needs to figure something out. They need to bring someone in. God, man, this would be – talk about a landing spot. This could have been the landing spot for Clowney. What oh, a, man. What, what a fucking is it too late? fit. What a fucking fit because that's what they is need. Is it too like, late? If they needed a they, – they need, they need a pass rush. They need some help in the front seven. And I think that's probably where they struggle. If there's any injuries again in the secondary, if the offense isn't, you know, knocking it out of the clip that they did last year, the coin flips aren't going to go their way and they end up 
I don't think they have a low floor. Like I'm not I'm not going to argue with you and say like all these coin flips are going to go wrong and they're going to be a four or five win team. Like the, their range is small because they do have so many coin flips. It's not a tough schedule. But so if the defense if the defense if the defense isn't doing it and the offense regresses a little, like I said, I'm still just I'm stuck on them. I think no matter what happens, like every every scenario in the in the multiverse ends up with them winning nine games. Four and seven, nine and seven for the fourth straight year. Yeah, I think nine nine and seven is their floor and their ceiling. <laughs> I think I think I think it's a playoff team because yeah. I think that's what that that gets you into the playoffs probably with the seventh team in the AFC. It and does. they're they're a scary playoff team again just because people have seen what they can do. But yeah, if if the pass rush sucks, if uh I, I don't know, who did they trade or who did they draft as far as uh filling in there? You know, they got an offensive I like Isaiah Wilson for a lot. I yeah, like that him helps. a ton. <laughs> that helps. I mean, yeah, it was good, huge. I like, I like the cornerback they got from LSU a lot too. Huge friggin' dude. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that played in the SEC as a cornerback. Think about the receivers that he covered. I mean, just yeah, I like how many him. how many Alabama receivers got drafted or uh, all of them. Yeah, they, <laughs> they played against. He played Clemson in the title game, or yeah. uh, was that the title game? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he covered some good receivers playing he for did. that LSU defense, and then uh, the rest of it looks pretty rough. I wouldn't have drafted Cole McDonald's with your picks. That's <laughs> wasted. What is it with Hawaii quarterback? Hawaiian I think they're I they're gonna work they're gonna work him out at uh, wide receiver or something. Yeah, he needs to be remember. like a wide out um, uh, tight end. T- they're gonna taste and taste and Um Anyway, the uh, I guess this that's all very fair uh, and. Uh, I don't really have an argument for why the this and this is this is so weird, but I think you actually kind of pointed out something that is playing into my belief in the Titans, which is that I don't have them figured out offensively. I don't know what it is that's so special about them. Like I don't I I feel like they don't have um a straightforward way to stop them. Right, like they're yeah, they're just. Do you wonder of, if it was Mariota, like just Mariota, unable to take advantage because we saw it. It wasn't something. It wasn't something that Arthur Smith changed. Like their their play action didn't increase a ton. Their no, pre, their right. pre snap motion didn't. Not a, you know the things that you see these new offensive coordinators come in and like you know we're we're running play action, we're running the shit out of play action. We're using this much more pre-snap motion. We're using 12 personnel a bunch more. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go to this type of offense or God, like look what Baltimore, we're, we're a quarterback running team right now. I I don't even want to call that gimmicky because it's not like they're the first person to ever run a quarterback, especially go go look at the college ranks, but it it just, uh, I think Mariota just wasn't getting it. He just, maybe his ceiling just wasn't there. You needed a quarterback with a a ceiling to be a top 12 quarterback. And they turn, you know, run that out through a whole season. You bring Mariota or you bring Tannehill in early. Maybe they win 10, 11 games. Uh, rather than nine, but they're still, I think they're still probably second fiddle to the, obviously the top teams in the AFC and yeah, they're, they're a nine, 10 win team. Like, I don't, I don't want to say I like, they're going to regress on offense. I've said that a thousand times now already. You gotta be getting sick of that. 
<laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna regress so much in offense if this is a bad team. This is still an above right. average team, absolutely. Right. With and, it, and a lot of it does play into the schedule. Like the the schedule is not super difficult. So yeah, yeah. I just I guess if, yeah. if the de- if the defense isn't getting it done, and this and they're going to rely on the offense to be an outlier offense again, some of the coin flips aren't going to go their way. Like the, they're yeah. not going to score touchdowns as often as they did last year. And if the pass rush sucks, uh, I guess what what are the quarterbacks they're facing? And like we've said, it's it's not a terrible schedule. Just because uh, let's I mean start naming quarterbacks. I can't even think of the kid up in uh, Drew Lock, Drew Lock, Gardner Minshew, Kirk Cousins, Big Ben, uh, tight Josh end jo- tight end Josh Allen, yeah, Watson, Burrow, whatever Chicago does, Rivers. Uh, Lamar, Lamar Rivers, Rivers, Baker, Baker, Minshew, Stafford, Rogers, Watson. So you get a handful of top end quarterbacks. You get a handful of younger or worse quarterbacks. I'd, I'd say it's a probably a pretty average schedule as far as quarterbacks faced. And like we said, they, the defensive secondary has some good pieces, if but not a ton of depth. So if there's some injuries in the secondary. And uh, the pass rush doesn't play like if the pass rush plays like it looks like it's going to on paper, which is not great. The the defense is not going to be able to carry this team whatsoever, and you're going to have to rely on the offense to do what they did. And that that's tough to it's tough to repeat some of that. We say defense isn't repeatable, but outlier offensive performances aren't either. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic on this team to be a, a division winner, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Indianapolis wins this division with 10 wins and a tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I, th- I think that that's my hot take for this division. The, the, the division we- winner will be tied with someone like the, <laughs> a tiebreaker will come into play. I don't think someone can, I don't see someone running away with this division. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, and Jacksonville will not be in the mix. That's um, okay. it, it definitely well, won't be them. Two of the other two, really tight. We're really Tennessee and Indy. We think reasonably could die. Um, okay. Well, I guess, I, yeah, the uncertainty for me about the offense and like, just if I was a defensive coordinator, not knowing what I would do to take away just because they don't have an obvious, like, Oh, take away that. Now you got a chance, right? Like, even with Pat Mahomes, like I think there's a little bit of a, you know, a book on what to do to really make him uncomfortable and and really frustrate him as far as a passer goes. Um, but you know, and it's not to say that Tannehill is even in the same stratosphere, but he's just he was so freaking um, accurate in high leverage third down. You know, you need third and ten, he was going to get it for you. Like passing, it was really really crazy. And and they don't have the they don't have the flashiest weapons. They don't look like this, uh, you know, all all uh, all world team. But I gotta tell you that the, the uncertainty and the fact that they uh, that they have the quarterback position figured out, I feel like um, we we, we got to give them a little bit more credit in terms of the the overall AFC title race and and um, the soft schedule especially makes me think that they could build some momentum. They could get the locker room bought in. They could be uh, in the you know in the mix for top record in the AFC come week ten, like I think it's possible. And at that point, you know you're bought in. You're playing Baltimore on the road again. You know you're getting the, the locker room fired up. Like okay, we're gonna let's go. We're gonna upset these guys again on their home turf. 
Um, you know, I mean, I, I can see everything working out right for this team. And I guess Boy, what I'm Arbaugh's saying is I have that circled. <laughs> Baltimore wins by 28. You heard okay. it here first. Like Harbaugh um, probably doesn't even care about the rest of the season. He's going to beat the shit out of Tennessee that day. The line right now is nine and a half. That's, <laughs> I mean, that it's in Baltimore. That's a pretty fair line. It is. It's a pretty fair line. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I just, I guess I'm saying, what I'm saying is, like, I believe in Vrabel to a degree. Um, and I think what they're doing overall, as far as the team goes, is has all of the markings of a team with really great, solid chemistry, which should matter for this season. The lack of travel early should matter for this season. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, we could be, we could be uh, talking more about them as we get into the, uh, uh, the playoff part of the season. I just something about these guys. It's not a great answer, but yeah, I mean the the beginning of the the beginning of the schedule is going to depend on. Uh, and again, we we say this. It, it's so hard to predict this because you're trying to predict how a team does, but at the same time, it depends on so many other teams. Like, and there are so many. All their coin flip games are coin flip teams. Again, is is Minnesota going to be okay? With without digs, is that offense going to be taking a huge step back? Is Pittsburgh going to look okay with a uh, big Ben who didn't play all last year? You know, is Buffalo is Buffalo going to be able to rely on that defense to you know defense is hard to it's hard to repeat a, a super high end defense two years in a row. You know, and is Josh Allen going to take any steps forward? Is he at his ceiling? Denver's Drew Locke is he is he good? is it a good team overall? You know, they, they have some nice defensive pieces. They have a couple nice offensive pieces too, but it's still yeah. a, a team that's in the, in the mix to put it together and make a run. Like they could be a, they could be a Tennessee S team where like, I don't know if this team's any good. And then they start, you know, the offense comes together a little. So all those teams, you know, it, it can go this, the, uh, the opposite way of how I talked about when you're we talking Texas or Houston, rather, the Texans, like if some of these, if all those teams are just starting to hit the low end of the range, yeah, they're going into their buy like five and one. Right. You, right. you know, if, if things, if the defense takes a step back in Buffalo, if Big Ben's rusty, if Minnesota can't figure it out without digs, you know, it's not working in Denver. Houston's not great, great with missing their new, you know, without, uh, you know, some of the pieces that they let go. All of a sudden, you're going into the by five and one, and you're absolutely a contender. So, it's really gonna that's gonna be an interesting part of the schedule for them because it does get tougher going into the late part of the season. You know, they're they're ending the season with uh, what five road games in their last seven weeks, and yeah. three of them yeah. three of them are against playoff teams from last year. Another one is Indy, uh, which we really there's a wild swing between. Between the people that uh, we talked to, Indy is either absolutely fucked up what they've put together for a roster, or they're a twelve-win team. They're a they're a super wild card for me. So okay. yeah, it's a it's a schedule that's conducive to a team making a run. I think uh, I think it's going to really depend on you know if they can if they can keep keep the regression bug from biting them too hard. Okay. If the, if the okay. offense doesn't take a giant step back and the defense can play some semblance of a of a pass rush, yeah, it's a 
honestly, it's a playoff team either way, just based off the schedule. I have a hard yeah. time seeing them being like a seven, eight win team. I don't think they yeah. have a very low floor. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is of the teams that we've talked about so far. This is the only one where I feel like there's there's a there's a ceiling that's higher than the market thinks on them. Like over ten and a half for them is plus two forty. Like that's a big number for a team that has a pretty favorable draw. Um. Yeah, I've just I reserve said, the right to change nice all of my. I reserve the right to change many. all my opinions on these guys before we kick off the season. But as of this moment, I think I might be a, a Titans, Titans, in some way, Titans ticket holder as we enter the 2020 campaign. I've I've been too bullish on too many of their opponents that fall into the coin flip. So I don't know. I'm 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 Titans neutral. Okay, okay. They might be in my plan of flag team when it comes time. We'll see. Um, I'm yeah, staring they're, at they're, that, uh, some of they're these one prices. of the teams, you know, and there's going to be teams. And I thought about this as kind of a maybe closing thought here, a bit of an exercise when you are watching these games and, you know, you, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you absolutely do have time to watch every single fucking game. That you're some sort of <laughs> maniac. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but as you're paying attention to these games, you're watching highlights packages, you're digging into box scores and you're listening to these previews and you're forming your own opinions, maybe start making some notes on that, on what you know, what you don't know, what nobody knows, what what is important to find out. Like, think about a team like, uh, go back to Indianapolis. We know their offensive line is good. With a high level of certainty, we can predict that their offensive line will be good. There are, we, we can predict their linebacker core will probably be very good. Um, but then, you know, think about some of the things that we don't know. And, you know, in the, in the case of like Tennessee here, I'm really curious to see, you know, what the front seven look like. If, if yeah. they'll be able to get any sort of pressure, what kind of coverage we're getting from the linebackers. And these are the things that you're going to need to use to make adjustments because you can say, Oh, like, Oh yeah. Like the Colts offensive line looked great. Yeah. We already knew that. Everybody knew that <laughs> we're not making any changes that start, sure. start looking at things for each team that are going to be the biggest mystery going into the season and start, start digging into that. Because even if you're not making a bet on a team, Look at how some of those some of those parts of the team, whether it's a positional group, a scheme, a certain player, a new piece, a rookie, that's what you're going to have to start uh, looking at in the in the first you know two, three, four, five weeks to really start forming your strong opinions on some of these teams. I no, think that, no, that's, that's where good, that's that's, that's like where advice. I'm at. That's where I'm at this year, as far as I've been as we've been doing these previews. The things where we say, "Shit, I don't know." Like it, it's going to hinge <laughs> on this, or we don't know how this part of the offense is going to look. This part of the defense, this part of the scheme, this new coach. Those are the things I'm writing down to dig into. Even if you're not making a bet on the team, dig into that team after they've played a game or two and start seeing. Uh, how that's how that's starting to flesh itself out. That's I like it. My, that's my evergreen for the day. All very good. Uh, very good advice. Very, very solid. It, it's funny. Like I, I used a thousand words to say, try to try to fill in the gaps because there's a lot <laughs> you don't know about the teams. 
But uh, so, but yeah. for you know for the most part, start writing down where the gaps are, so you can once the games get started, you can start to fill in the gaps. I think that's a strong point. All right, man, let's wrap it up. This was fun. Uh, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna head west next week. Are we? I, think I don't so. remember. West next week. We head west. West, west young is man. The best. All right, man. Um, best of luck to you getting this uh, Raptors under home. It's going to be a sweat. Um, <laughs> it could be four OTs. Yeah, um, there could be. No, should I bet over one ninety three just in case there's overtime? I don't think so. No, I doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah the the, uh, the spread doesn't look that much in doubt either. Yeah, you never know. Orlando's coming on strong here in the third. So, all right, okay. until next week. Yeah, we'll go we'll grab another division next week, and hopefully find some clarity all right best luck this weekend at harding park yeah good luck in the nba